All right. We're continuing on the journey of with Jesus in Jesus' last week before the crucifixion and resurrection. We come to that time at Gethsemane after Jesus celebrated the Passover meal, which we call the Lord's Supper, um, as he went to the Mount of Olives to pray. Now, to introduce this, I want to share with you a a bias that I have. I'm I'm a huge sports fan. Did anybody know that? (laughs) And uh, though my my, my son played baseball forever, and I had the opportunity to, uh, to be involved in youth, uh, in youth baseball, so I love baseball, but my favorite sport to watch is basketball. And, and one of the things I love about basketball is what's called the full-court press. Now, if you know anything about basketball, you know that it's a very, very physically demanding game, running up and down the court. And typically what a team would do is they'll defend just uh, at their end of the court. But in the full court press, they, they attack the ball on the entire court, trying to double team the player who has the ball, trying to make that steal. And they're, they're literally running from one corner of the court to another, and it's very draining. And so it is impossible for a team to run a full court press for the entire game. It's reserved for those times when a team falls behind, when uh, there's a a sense of desperation of catching up. And so the team begins a full-court press to try to make those steals and to catch up. I, I, I share this with you because we've come to the point of the full court press with Jesus. Jesus goes to Gethsemane to have a nighttime prayer meeting. Now, let me kind of explain to you how, how this took place. They had, the, they had their uh, uh, Passover meal that Jesus there instituted, the Lord's Supper, and, and, and what, what we now celebrate. And then that meal takes a long time. It leads into late into the evening. And now he says to them, we're going to go over to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it, you, they go down to into the valley of the Kindron and then up. It's not all the way up on the Mount of Olives, but there is a, a journey up the part of there where the Garden of Gethsemane sits. By now, it's probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, what we know about the Passover week is that probably about 250,000 lambs were sacrificed. And... <laughs> The blood of those lambs was dumped into the brook and small river that ran through the Kidron Valley that dumped into the Jordan River. As the disciples made their way across the Kidron and up to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus saw that blood. And it could have even been that that he had to step into the blood of the lambs and And to know that and be reminded that he was the ultimate sacrificial lamb for all of humanity, for all that was to come. He had to know at that point that the spirit has gone into a full court press. Time is counting down. 
we know. We know that Jesus will be betrayed, arrested, denied, illegally tried. That Jesus' closest uh, followers will scatter at the crucifixion. It does not look good for the home team. It does not look good at all. And Jesus goes to Gethsemane to pray. Now, our, our goal in all of these sermons is to, to, to examine the real Jesus and to see how that can impact our lives and what it is that we can learn. And therefore, as we see Jesus more clearly, we can therefore follow Jesus more closely. This morning, I hope, and I know for me, as I have gone through the research of this, it has, it has touched my own prayer life. But our goal today, as we watch Jesus pray, is that we might model how Jesus prayed to the Father. And to use the, the, <laughs> the same emotional outpouring, though submission, that Jesus approached the Father on that night. For Jesus teaches us a deeper way to seek the Father in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words. And for all that I don't speak, O oh God, I pray that you would fill in the gaps so that your word and only your word would be heard this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Mark 14, 32 is where it begins. And they went to Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit and pray. Now, what we know about the Garden of Gethsemane is that it was familiar to Jesus. Luke tells us in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine 39, that it was Jesus' custom to go there and pray. This was a, this was a place where Jesus went to seek solitude, to seek, a, to, to seek the Father. Gethsemane was also symbolic of what was coming to Jesus, of what he was to face. The name itself means oil press. Literally, it means that which exerts great pressure to crush so that something valuable can come out of it. For Jesus... He does not avoid the weight that he carries. Instead, as we see in this prayer, the pressure becomes a source of power in what he offers to the Father. And, and for us, as, as we look at this prayer, we can know that in the worst times, that a prayer of pain, and we all have those prayers, don't we? can be a source of strength, support, and clarity. Mark continues, he says that he took with him Peter, James, and John, and that Jesus began to be distressed and agitated. Now, at first the phrase seems shocking to us, that Jesus is distressed and agitated? How, how can this be? This is our Lord, this is, this is the divine Jesus. Well, when you take the two words, distressed and agitated, that's, that's what you get. But when you use them together, something else emerges. The first word, at the bimithia, 
which is translated agitated, comes from the root word thombos. It's a word that is literally translated amazed, deeply moved. And it is a word that's used in difficult situations. Hear this, hear this. With anticipation that something positive will happen. The second Greek word is adomenian, which the root is adomenio, translated greatly distressed. There's no, point, there's no doubt that Jesus comes to this place of prayer feeling the heaviness of what is to come, the depth of suffering that would be his. Yet as we put these two words together, it's not that he was distressed and agitated without any way out, but instead, there is within this, Jesus, the, what Mark is saying to us, hope. That Jesus was distressed and agitated with the anticipation of that which was of God to come. For Jesus and for us, even in the worst of time, the prayer of pain is prayed with anticipation. Then he says, I'm deeply grieved even unto death. Remain here and keep awake. Remain with me and keep awake. In the midst of his sorrow, Jesus asked the, his three top lieutenants to stay with him, to remain, to stay awake. The, the Greek word there is minete, uh, minate, translated remain. It literally means to abide, to watch, to participate. They're not just to stay awake. Jesus wants them with him. They want to, he wants them to participate with them. He's asking them, his inner circle, to struggle with him. But as the story unfolds, we know that they either don't know the gravity of the situation or at 2 o'clock in the morning with their stomachs full after the travel from down through the valley and up to the next and what has all happened in the days before, that they just could not physically emotionally or spiritually go any further. In the same way, I believe I believe that God wants us to seek each other. He does not want us to be alone in our struggles. That we were not meant to travel these roads by ourselves. That's why we have the church. And, and so I just, let us pray as Jesus did. And even though those disciples failed Jesus, maybe we cannot fail each other to support each other spiritually, physically, emotionally, to abide, truly abide with each other. We need each other. We need each other. Jesus, and then Mark tells us that he, Jesus goes a little farther, he throws himself on the ground and prays, if it were possible that the hour might pass from him, if it were possible, if it were possible, you know, the word for possible there is, is the Greek word dinaton, which is from the root 
Didymus. Now, we've talked about this before. Didymus is from which we get dynamite. It implies power. When, when Jesus says, if it were possible, what Jesus is saying is, he's not just saying, is it possible? He's saying, if it's in within your power, oh God, is there another way that we can save the world? Is there another way? And then, Jesus, and then Mark tells us, Jesus says, Abba, Father, for all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, but not what I want, but what you want. In the midst of all this, I love how Jesus addresses God. And he said, Abba. Abba means daddy. It is an informal, it is almost the word at times in this context of pleading word, daddy. Daddy, if it's possible, if it's within your power. Romans 8.15 tells us that, and by him, meaning Jesus, we too can cry, Abba, Father, for we are children of God. And our prayers we know that we can approach God in the same way that Jesus did. That we have been, we have made, been made by, 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 our, by our faith, by our justification, by the blood of Jesus. We have been made children of God to call upon God as Abba and Father. And in the same way, we can approach and say, Lord, is there another way? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay for us to ask that question. Is there another way? Is it within your power? Can you see another way of, 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 to go forward, God? But these questions are always asked knowing that all things are within God's hands. And as Jesus submits to the full will of God, so do we. Jesus anticipates the suffering, sacrifice, separation, and the coming salvation for the world. And he submits. Yet not what I will, but your will be done. You know, that as I look at this, the ultimate goal of prayer for all of us is to let God know our desires, our longings, our preferences, and then say, yet... Not what I will, but your, what you will. We, we say it in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're saying here is, Abba, Daddy, take control of my life and do what you will for your glory, for you know the glory of the future better than I can ever know. And though I may suffer now, in saying these words, I know that you will use it for glory, even in death. Prayer is not getting God to do what we want. It is not bringing God into conformity with us. What Jesus is showing here is figuring out where God is so that we may join God. God, show me your plans and bless me 
as I make them mine. Now, we're getting toward the end, so don't fall asleep yet. Don't be like the disciples. I believe the answer to Jesus' prayer was in the sleeping disciples. Verse 37 and 38, you found them sleeping. And notice that he addresses Peter, not as Peter, the rock, but as Simon, the listening one, the shifting one. He calls him by his old name, seeing his weakness. Again, Jesus comes to them there in verses 39 and 40. And when he addresses them there, they have nothing to say. They are mute. I mean, what would they say? Jesus has asked them to stay awake, to abide with me, to participate with me. He comes, they fall asleep. He he addresses Peter by name. He, He comes back, and now they're asleep. They have nothing to say. When Jesus comes a third time to the disciples, he realizes that even his best disciples could not bear the weight of this world. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. The word enough is actually a commercial word. Okay? It's uh, used in a sense of mean paid in full, that the account is closed, that the decision has been made, that there's no other way, that we are heading this direction, that the contract has been signed. Jesus went to the garden with sorrow and grieving in anticipation of what God was going to do. But he was asking, oh God, be there another way. Let's take a look at this together. But when he hears the answer, he is resolute, confident, and without question in his submission to God. He sees that there is no other way for the salvation of the world than through his sacrifice. For Jesus, now the sorrow, the suffering, the grief is gone. And we find this strong, this divine Jesus who meets his betrayer, his accusers, the, the, uh, uh, the, the trial, the, the crucifixion. Oh, that we in our prayer lives might also do so. Luke twenty two forty three tells us that, that God sent an, an angel to support Jesus. In, in other words, even when our friends desert us in these times of need, God never deserts us. We are not alone. Never. Never. In the same we know that however God answers our prayers, God is with us. We are never alone in our struggles. So, so let me review for a minute. I've kind of set, told you the story and gone through it. I don't know if you've been able to follow all the way through, but let me just outline the parts of Jesus' prayer that I think that we can take into our prayer life 
first find solitude. Jesus, obviously, it was his custom to find that solitude, that place of quiet, that place where he could find oneness with God. Second, pour out your sorrow. It is not a sign of of doubt or lack of faith for us to pour out our sorrow. Third, struggle with God. Struggle with God. Let God know that, hey, (laughs) this is tough on me. But do so with anticipation that God can work in all things for good. Fourth, look for the support of others. We are never to face any trial on our own. Find a place of support, a core group, a Sunday school class, a place where we can be one of our primary values, a connected community so that we can support one another. Next, submit to God's will. For God's will, (laughs) as I have learned over the years, because there's a lot of things that I have wanted and prayed for that God has denied, and what I have found has been so much better. Submit to God's will, for there is goodness in it. And finally, expect with confidence God's power to overcome. I pray that when you leave this place today, that you will leave with that confidence. That you will leave with the confidence to know that the God of all creation, the Savior of the world, is ours. We are a part of that family. And whether we're here or out there or wherever we are, that God is with us. And the power of God's presence is always at work. That's where we're heading in this to know Jesus. For as he was crucified and suffered for our sins, so he also shows us the victory over death in the resurrection. Max Lucado says this about the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, the battle is won. You may have thought it was won on Golgotha. It wasn't. You may have thought the sign of victory is the empty tomb. It isn't. The final battle was won in Gethsemane. And the sign of conquest is Jesus at peace in the olive trees. For it was in the garden that he made his decision. Jesus would rather go to hell for us than to go to heaven without us. Oh, golly, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.